Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. As I said before, you are not immune, either am I, to wanting more. You will never be immune. That is the selfish nature in my lifestyle. So you have to watch your desires. And one of the things that happens is in a sermon or teaching like this, even though we might not be excited about it, it balances our what? Desires. We go, whoops. Oh, ouch. Now, we don't do that out loud because we don't want to draw attention to ourselves. But it hurts. Because we all have a selfish nature. There are many measures of happiness. Some come from above, others from this world. Job security is one of those worldly measures. And it's difficult to not place some value on it. Uncertainty about the future can create anxiety and turmoil. And knowing that your job is secure alleviates that worry. Or does it? There's nothing in this temporary existence that is a sure thing. Unexpected situations and unforeseen disasters happen on a regular basis. But there is surety in one thing. The Lord and His eternal promises. Place your faith in the unfailing truth of God. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verse 25, with part two of our message entitled, Wealth and Spiritual Health. desire to have more. That's why advertising works. That's a natural part in all of our lives. You see, I believe when I talk about this this morning, it will get quiet often. I believe it got quiet often when Jesus taught it. Because I believe this, there isn't one of us sitting here that's immune to covetousness, greed, and always wanting something more. Nothing. We all have that inherent selfish nature in us. You have it. Some of you are proud that you have nothing, but you are greedy in your mind because you desire more. This is for you. Some of you are very, very wealthy here this morning. It's for you. But all of us are wealthy. We have many blessings. So the principles are for you and for me. We can't bypass it. Now, I love Jesus because he knows this is a hard subject, and he's going to give a little prop here. He's going to give a little visual picture to the disciples. Look at verse 25. He's going to say to them, I know this is a hard thing for you to understand, just like some of you are saying this morning, man, why did I come here? What is this talking about? He's going to use a little prop. And so he gives this little visual example to the disciples. Look down in verse 25, and Jesus says this to them to kind of soften the blow. He says this, It's easier for a Lexus to drive through the night deposit slot at the Barnett Bank (laughs) than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Now, somebody came to me and said, you mean I'm going to hell because I drive a Lexus? No, you're not going to hell. I use that because that's probably easier than a Mercedes or whatever. If you drive a Mercedes, praise God, whatever. Now, the reason I use that is Not too many of us have ridden on a camel. It's hard for us to understand. 
But what Jesus was trying to say was this. Look down in verse 25. We'll read it the right way. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Now, do you believe that when Jesus said this, as he's trying to explain this, do you believe he said this to his disciples? Now listen up, children. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Now think about it. You think he did that? No. I'm watching a great video of, of the book of Matthew. It's the NIV just goes through and a guy portrays Jesus. Again, his own understanding or whatever. But I believe Jesus said this. You guys, hey children, listen to this. You know the camel with all the big humps? You know an eye of a needle? See, a camel in those days was the largest animal in Israel. And the smallest opening that Jesus could think about was an eye of a needle. So he did this. Hey guys, you know a camel? It's more difficult for a camel to go through an eye of a needle <laughs> than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Can you see the humps trying to go through? I believe it was a great joke because they're going, wait a minute, that's impossible. And he's going, that's what I'm trying to tell you. I believe he was trying to say it's a difficult, you don't get it. And what I just showed you, you don't get it. It's like driving your Mercedes or your Lexus to the bank and trying to put it in that little slot. You, you can't do it. You can bring it down to the smallest part. You can't get it through there. It just can't happen. This is what Jesus is saying. So here's two points from this that he's going to bring out. First one is this. It is difficult for anyone who trusts in riches to enter the kingdom of God. The first thing Jesus is talking about here is somebody who is already rich. Now why is it difficult for somebody who is very wealthy who has lots of things, lots of possessions like you and I have, why is it difficult for them to get into the kingdom of God? What does wealth do when we have these three changes of clothes or 12 changes of clothes at home? We have plenty of food. We can make our payments. We have one car or two car. We have a bike. We have our health. We have air conditioning. What, what, what does it cause us to do? Why does it make it so impossible? Well, it's clear from the context now, Jesus is saying this, that wealth tends to destroy the qualities you and I must have to enter the kingdom of God. So there are qualities. If I'm going to get into the kingdom of God, there's qualities that I have to have. What are those qualities? I believe there are three that I want to talk about this morning. First of all is an attitude of humility, submission, and service. You see, if I'm going to get into the kingdom of God, I have to submit to the rule of God. If I have lots of money and wealth, I'm probably doing well. I don't like to submit to anybody. I want to be in charge. And actually, wealth brings pride. doesn't bring humility. I believe with those things, it makes it very difficult because it's almost impossible then to get in there. Here's three things that I think Jesus is saying. Number one, wealth tends to make us satisfied with this life. You see, the more things I have, the more things I think about, more things. And because of that, what happens is this. My eyes are taken off, my spiritual eyes are taken off the things of heaven. And I just focus on things here. More this, more money, more hours, more possessions, better meals, bigger trips. And my mind's taken off of it. Second, wealth tends to offer false security. Trust in riches rather than in God. 
The rich young ruler walked away. His safety net was his riches, not God. Where's your safety net? Is it your 401k? Or is it God? Wealth tends to offer false security. Number three, wealth tends to blind us to our need for God. You know, if you this morning are going to look and say, well, you know, I mean, just look at my life. It means I'm obviously blessed by God. That may be true, it may not be true. Wealth doesn't equate to salvation or spiritual growth. So when you look at your life, we have to agree here in the United States that when we become wealthy, as we all are, we often will say, who really needs God? And what I find in the church, as a general rule, is this. Wealthy people generally just drop by the church. They don't serve because their time is more effective making money. They, they grace us with their presence, but there's really no commitment because their heart is not here in the kingdom of God. Their heart is on their business or their investments or their stocks or whatever. Now, we agreed that we are all wealthy compared to the rest of the world, didn't we? Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. You see, as we go through the Word, we'll find that money and wealth and possessions is spoken about so often. And yet when we speak about it, people get a little nervous because it's such a close thing to all of our lives. Don't get nervous. Just open your heart and be submissive and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Now Paul is speaking to young Timothy as he's leaving him in a church, and he's going to tell him about money in this chapter specifically. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, and he says this, Command those who are what? Rich. And who is that? It's us. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, or the word is prideful, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. You may not want to underline that, but that is so true. In fact, the Old Testament tells us that wealth seems to sprout wings and fly away. How many know what that is like? When you think about wealth, and you think about uncertainty, don't laugh, because you might go tomorrow to your place of work and find out the company was sold last weekend. Do you know that? Happens all the time. And so here you are thinking you have a job, and no longer do you have a job. In fact, the person you work for isn't even there anymore. But see, life is uncertain, isn't it? If you're basing your security on your 401k, on your retirement plan from whatever company, you're in deep trouble. Our security is to be in God. Your hope can't be in yourself. It's got to be in God which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. You need to understand that. We have today these people that think if they're, that God is a stingy God, He doesn't like us to enjoy things. What does the verse say? Who richly provides us with all things to enjoy. Serving God is wonderful. Whatever He gives you, He'll give you. And here's a principle, and I believe, as I've been teaching for many, many, many years, that I've seen, and I believe it's a principle. Here it is. God knows you. If you're a Christian this morning, God knows how much you can handle. 
And I believe he blesses us to the ability of that which he knows we can handle. Some of you will never have a lot, lot, lot. You'll have plenty, but not a lot, lot, lot. The reason is you'd blow it all. And you're going to see here why in a moment. So he will never give you lots, lots, lots unless you'd learn that. For the rest of us, some of the rest of you especially, who have lots, God knows you're a great investor. And you're going to pour it back into his kingdom through all kinds of things. And he's safe giving you more than others. So we don't sit and look at each other and go, how much you make, how much you make, whatever. That isn't the relationship at all. It's what God trusts us with and gives us with. Read on. Command them, again, these people who are rich, to do good. To be rich in good deeds. In other words, it isn't just the money, but now it's finding its way into what? Ministry. Helping people build lives. And to be generous and willing to share. So the more I have, as God gives to me, the thing that should go along with my life, instead of being prideful and holding it and trying to make more money on it, for myself is to what? Be generous, to be giving, to invite people over the house, to, to provide for people. It's helping and giving and supporting and being generous. And verse 19 says, In this way, the rich will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. Where is the treasure? It's in heaven. That's where it is from being generous, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Now, some of you are still arguing, even after I said that, I'm not rich, why do you call me rich? I didn't want to say it to my neighbor, I'm not rich. Okay, this next one's for you, if you disagree with me. It is difficult for anyone who desires to be rich to enter the kingdom of God. So, Paul says to Timothy, if you're already rich, it's going to be very difficult for you. Here's how you handle it. If you're not rich then I know you have a selfish motive and you really want to have more than you have. may not just be rich, rich. You just want to have a little more than you have. And some of you can remember that. I remember when I started working for two bucks an hour way back and I thought, man, if I ever made five bucks an hour, I could just retire and let my wife do the rest. I mean, it would just be wonderful. And then when you made five, it was like 750. And guess what? It just keeps going, doesn't it? You never are satisfied. Look at 1 Timothy 6, 6. Just back in that same passage. So this is the warning to those who desire to get rich. So if you're not rich this morning, by the way, you all are, so am I. But if you say you're not, then you fall into this category. So this is for you. But godliness and with contentment is great gains. Another old sermon we can't go there this morning. For we brought nothing into the world, but if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Here's verse 9. People who, what? Want to get rich. Well, what happens to those desires? They fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, not money, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Not all evil but all kinds of evil. And some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So you can see how wealth applies to our spiritual health. We've covered all of us, those that are either wealthy, rich compared to the rest of the world, or those of us that have a desire to have more. Probably we've covered all of us in both camps. Now, if that's true... How do I handle my money and my possessions and things? Number one, watch our desires. 
As I said before, you are not immune, neither am I, to wanting more. You will never be immune. That is the selfish nature in my lifestyle. So you have to watch your desires. And one of the things that happens is in a sermon or teaching like this, even though we might not be excited about it, it balances our what? Desires. We go, whoops. Oh, ouch. Now, we don't do that out loud because we don't want to draw attention to ourselves. But it hurts. Because we all have a selfish nature. Secondly, understand the dangers. You see the dangers we just talked about. Don't think those dangers are for somebody else. If you're rich and you let it go to your head and replace godliness, you're in great danger. If you desire by working overtime and triple time and whatever and hoarding rather than giving, it's going to be a great danger to your spiritual health. Number three, have a light touch. Realize that you came into this world with nothing. You will leave exactly the same way. Our goal during our life is number four, be a wise investor. You see, anything you have this morning is nothing but a gift from God. Absolutely everything you have. Your mind, your intelligence, your education, your job. You say, well, no, I did my job. My dad passed the business down to me. No, it came from God. Well, my successful practice came from God. Well, the inheritance that came from God. Everything you have came from God. And God wants us to be one thing, a steward. A steward. How are you using the things he's given you? So here we see in that passage, it says we're to do what? We're to command those to be good, give good deeds. And we're just, we're just to be that person, as I talked about before, God will bring into your life. If he knows you're going to be a great investor, I believe he just keeps blessing you. Because see, you don't hold it, what do you do with it? You just keep giving it, ministering, and sharing with other people. You have that generous spirit that God has. And so, again, we're all just conduits, but that investor is the one who gives because he realizes generosity is a blessing from God. Now, as we go through the years, over and over in the church, we hear crazy doctrines that come floating through. More than 20 years ago, I heard a doctrine that Initially, I thought it was pretty good as I listened to it, but it wasn't but a few weeks or months afterward that I knew it was not correct doctrine. Some of you may have come through that. It's called the prosperity doctrine for a Christian, or the name it and claim it. In other words, whatever you name, you can have, and God wants you to do this and wants you to do that. I've seen the disaster of that false doctrine with many people who never even stepped back in a church again, because when they claimed it, it didn't happen, and they didn't blame the doctrine which was wrong, they blamed God. So they never stepped back into church again. Now, the other day, I thought pretty much this had, had just run its course through the churches. Even though there are major speakers and people, teachers in the body, who are wonderful Christians, but they just have the wrong understanding of the word in this area, that are still there. I thought it was gone until I got on my exercise bike. I popped the TV on, and I was exercising, and this pastor came on from Chicago. I'd never seen him before. And my heart almost stopped as I heard him speak. So it's dangerous to exercise while watching Christian TV sometimes. <laughs> Here's what he said, verbatim. God wants you to be rich. Here's the second thing he said. In fact, God wants you to be very rich. And I went, what? You know, my heart's going, <laughs> so I stopped for a moment, and then he really shocked me. I couldn't even exercise with this one. Here's what he said. In fact, God wants you to flaunt 
your richness. He says you need to put it in the front yard, in the driveway. So when people go down the street, this part I'm adding, but the driveway, they'll know, they'll see that you're blessed by God with the prosperity. I stopped and wrote some notes because I knew I was going to be teaching on this. And I guarantee you, I'd send the tape to this guy, except I'll probably get sued. But as a Christian, I shouldn't worry about money anyway, so I guess, (laughs) whatever. (laughs) Now, the crowd is clapping. Praise God, we found a home church. I like this. I like this. Well, no kidding. But it's false doctrine. Now, if he'd ever read the verse that says, if you desire to be rich, it's almost impossible to get in the kingdom of God. How do you reconcile that plus his statement? He's never seen the balance in the word of God. Incredible. God does not want you to be rich. He'll bless you. But the goal isn't rich or poverty. The goal is a personal relationship with Jesus. You'll see on the overhead this. Wealth perverts our values. Soon we know the price of everything, but the value of nothing. You could study, restudy Mark 4 that we went through. The riches cause the individual to be very, very ineffective in their spiritual life. In fact, the word says it choked out spirituality. So if you have a desire to be rich, don't leave here with that desire. It will cost you spiritually. You'll make a bad investment of your life. Now, back in Mark chapter 10, verse 26, the disciples knew that a camel couldn't fit through a needle. So look at their response. It says the disciples were even more amazed and said to one another, Who then can be saved? In other words, what are you saying, Jesus? And Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God all things are impossible. So what Jesus is saying here is this. Salvation by human means is totally impossible. Jesus overheard them and says, who can be saved? I believe he would have responded like this. Well, without God, no one can be saved. Without admitting their need of God, no one can be saved. Without giving up with whatever is in first place in their life and putting God there, no one could be saved. Now, Jesus was not saying that only the wealthy will have difficulty being saved. What Jesus was saying is this, that salvation to anyone, rich, poor, middle class, without, from the human standpoint, is totally impossible. Jesus was saying you can't trust in anything in you if you want to be a Christian. When you and I came to Jesus Christ, we came to the cross, we were all on level ground. We all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. If you're going to come to Jesus Christ, those of you that want to become a Christian, you will not get here because your dad was a Christian, your uncle belonged, was a deacon in a church or something, and you give money, you do lots of good deeds, you take communion, you will come the same way all of us have come. Rich, poor, middle class, doesn't matter. We all come to the cross because of the work that Jesus Christ did. Now notice in verse 27 a very important principle. Jesus said, with man this is impossible. But then he says, with God... I believe he said it like this. With man, it's impossible. With God, everything's possible. When Jesus warned the disciples about the danger of wealth, it wasn't the money that was the issue. But as with all things, man's heart problems. It's an issue where we have to always be on guard, understanding the dangers and being aware of what we value. 
That desire for money perverts godly values and diverts your heart away from the Lord. We began to discuss how salvation is only available through Christ and not our own means. Pastor Mark covered quite a bit in today's message. Perhaps you'd like to review. You can listen to today's message again by logging on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Just select today's date from the media player. Or you can also call us toll free. The number to call is 866-779-3441 to place an order for a CD. Again, that number to call is 866-779-3441. Another way to get in contact with us is by email. The address is info at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. That's info at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. By far, the best way to stay current with everything that you hear on Lessons for Living is to subscribe to the podcast. Subscribing is easy. Just follow the link at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Now, be sure and tune in next time as Pastor Mark addresses the motives of our hearts. Now, Peter's interaction with Jesus brought to light the selfish motives that we can have, even as believers. We will also rediscover the beauty of God's promises to us, and how the things of this earth pale in comparison to the eternal life that followers of Christ will experience in heaven. We will see how to seek what is valuable to God, not ourselves. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in, and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right.